So, in uh, 2 Timothy <clears throat> chapter 1, I don't often uh, take an opportunity to do uh, topical uh, sermons. Uh, we, uh, you know, stay the course uh, going uh, right through the Bible and uh, just taking the opportunity at this break between Exodus and Leviticus. Um, the Lord just laid a number of things on my heart uh, regarding uh, running the race of uh, Christianity and uh, you know, being, uh, you know, determined and filled with strength. And as I meditated on that this week, that running the race and what it means for me and, and what it could mean for us, I, I came to realize that uh, the race we run as Christians, uh, you know, often what my discouragement has been is I treat it like it's a sprint, like there's a short distance to cover and I exert a tremendous amount of strength and then when it has to continue beyond a certain point, spiritually, I lose heart and I get discouraged. And I, I came to realize, okay, this is, this is marathon level stuff of endurance and continuation. And I knew that anyway, but we, we kind of mess our own head up with uh, the way we look at things and what we're expecting. And then... In praying about it, the Lord actually laid on my heart that, no, it's actually, it is a marathon, but it's a relay, right? Somebody handed me the baton, and I run my distance, and in the process, I'm handing the baton to the next runner. And, and with that, the Lord really showed me that there's, there's a lot of problems with people in Christianity that have that mentality like I did. of They're going to sprint a short distance spiritually and they're exhausted and done and their race is you know, finished because they've spent themselves in it. They haven't set their mind on the long distance. There's also a mentality of I can do it myself or I'm going to do it myself. And we don't. We're, we're receiving and we're delivering this race to others. It needs to be that. If, if we find that, no, I'm going to run the whole thing, then we'll look at it at the end. Then you're not competing according to the rules. This is a relay. And nobody gets to sprint on their own and get the glory, right? Because whose glory is it in the end? Christ's. It's the Lord's glory. So there's some things to consider. Um it may seem a little out of place as I begin in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. That's Paul's race right there. He's an apostle. He's called to go and minister. Well, what's your race? You know, Sunday school worker, mom, you know, co-worker, student, all of the various aspects of life. Right? We all have a calling to share Christ in any one of those settings, but you have your call. Paul was called to be an apostle, even to us. We're sitting here this morning receiving the baton he's passing to us from this very passage. This man fulfilled his race, and we'll see, but here we know him. To Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. So now we know who Paul's one of the individuals Paul is handing the baton to, right? Timothy. He's continuing the race after Paul, taking the same principles and course that Paul took. And 
continuing from there. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did. So now Paul's pointing back to how far back this relay goes, right? All the way back to Abraham, really. And he received the baton from the Lord. But, you know, if we want to look at the human race, we can go back to Adam. Uh, but given this responsibility from the Lord, we're carrying it. And Paul makes reference to the forefathers. As without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day. Hey, uh, do yourself a favor. <clears throat> those things that you think about all the time, those people that you think about all the time, pray for them. You know, they bug you. You're bothered by it. You love them to death. Which one is it? You know, it's somewhere in between there but they're in your head, pray for them. Pray for them all the time. Convert your meditation time, because that's what we're doing. We're thinking about them. <clears throat> Convert it to prayer. Take those things to the Lord. Present them to the Lord. Greatly desiring to see you. Being mindful <clears throat> of your tears. Uh, Timothy and others are in great mourning over the fact that Paul has you know, been arrested and imprisoned and beaten and gone through what he's gone through, the tears that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Now we know who handed Timothy the baton originally, right? His mother and grandmother, his father was a Greek, his Mother was a Jewess, and so she had built that faith, which came from her mother, in her son, Timothy. And then Paul comes and runs alongside him in the same race and hands his baton to him. So you know, this continuation of faith, and I'm persuaded in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. Hey, there's something that isn't commonly taught in the church, especially in regard to the gifts of the Spirit, that they have to be stirred up by us. You know, there is that impression that, you know, it's a supernatural thing that someone, you know, imparts upon us or the Lord imparts upon us, and then, oh, well, it just kind of faded away. Stir it up. You've got to remember and, and actually go through uh, the process of making that come back to life. You have to stir these things up within your life. It was in you by the laying on of hands. Uh, you know, the, today that's not done as commonly uh, as a ceremony within the church as it used to be. You actually place your hands on someone and pray over them for the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the anointing of ministry. But certainly the idea of we place our approval upon and we handle someone in that emotional way. You know, we're in one another's midst, which was what was being symbolized is I connect and contact with this person. You know, the gifts that are in those that teach us and disciple us. You know, the way they ran the race is imparted to us largely. We have to stir that up. It came to us originally by certain people. But listen, you're only going to have to match right that pace and that stride in the passing of the baton. 
You know, once the baton is passed, then you got to find your own stride. You know, during that connective passing process, certainly. But if you don't make that clean pass of the baton there in that moment, you can lose the race. You lose the baton. You got to recover the baton. You've lost the race. Others are passing by. You need that clean, smooth stride of matched pace, staying with someone, you know, laying hands upon them, having the connection. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You know, if I'm saying these things to us, and if you're sitting there right now saying, I'm not athletic, you know, this sermon doesn't really apply to me, you know, I don't have that kind of drive. Okay, do you have it in other places in your life? Maybe you don't. We need to. We need to develop that grit your teeth and set your mind on the far distant goal with the intent of endurance. If you aren't figuring it out, (laughs) we're the last leg of the race, right? Just sharing with uh, some of you guys, Hollywood, I hate to do that, but you know, I think I've talked recently about this new movie that's out, uh, Togo. It's uh, yeah, about the dog that ran to get the serum, 1925, from uh, was, uh, Fairbanks, Alaska, to Nome, Alaska. Um, <clears throat> some of you have heard of Balto. Okay, so uh, Balto uh, was not the dog that brought the serum, okay? Uh, it, it was Togo. So Togo uh, and his owner, uh, Leonard Sipola, who retired in uh, Poland Springs, Maine, and the dog actually passed away in Poland Springs, Maine. But uh, Togo ran 264 miles in that in that relay that went on. Okay, uh, the other dogs. There were some like 31 other teams involved and they they each ran like 20 miles okay togo ran the last 20 miles with with his team and he's the dog that delivered the serum into nome alaska and the press was there waiting right togo wasn't even the lead dog on the team a dog named fox was the lead dog on the team and the journalists thought that you know, everyone would literally think if he published that in the paper that a fox was literally part of the sled dog team. So he asked, what is that dog's name who had that very dark coat and those crystal blue eyes? It was very attractive. And they said Togo. So Togo gets his name put in the paper. Or excuse me, uh, Balto gets his name put in the paper and has a statue in, uh, you know, Central Park, you know, New York City. He gains a recognition. Why? Because he completed the race. He was the finishing. He was the one that crossed the finish line and delivered the serum to cure the children of diphtheria. Hundreds of children would have died had they not been able to deliver that. What were the finishing leg, you guys? This is, I mean, look around the world and see what's going on. It isn't time to faint. It's not time to give in. And there may be those just ahead of you that you've got to hand this baton to, and they're going to finish the race. Praise God, right? You've run your 264 miles, and maybe you're never going to get the recognition that you need for that, right? The efficient over the race, God himself knows the effort put in. He knows the leg you've run. 
and he knows whether you pass that baton correctly. And we need to. There's a generation right behind us that is going to endure the world that's developing just ahead of us. And they need to be readied for this race. I'm watching the church faint from this. Are you seeing the same thing I am? They're just falling into sin and falling away from the faith and rejecting the word of God and warping and twisting and dementing everything that our faith is about. The church has, by and large, dropped the baton. They've stopped running the race. We're here with this whole mandate to take the gifts the Lord has given us and give it to someone else. You can't let fear, intimidation, weakness, laziness take you out of the race. You've got to continue on. Whatever thing is in you. Now think about this, right? He's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. You don't have to raise your hand, but do you have a spirit of fear, intimidation, weakness? Where, where did that come from? That's uh, Your enemy would love you to have that, for sure. Our own flesh will produce that also. We, we want to make sure that the spirit we're functioning according to is the spirit of Christ. His strength, his love, his power. Sound mind, not intimidated. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power. Don't be ashamed. Paul's in prison. And there's a whole bunch of Christianity that is saying, Paul's messed up. Look, he's in prison. Clearly, had he been led of the Lord and actually been an apostle and been strong, he would have been successful, but he's been taken off from the field. He hasn't been taken off from the field. He's not been removed from the race, right? Think about how long running Paul's race is, author of more than one third of the New Testament. We, we live much of our Christian life based upon the, the race that essentially he's still running through the words that he imparted to us. You think about that. The, 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 in the time that Paul was ministering, he, he was greatly defamed by the churches that he'd ministered to. He has to write a letter, right, 1 Corinthians to that church and tell them, basically, you guys have blown it. Because you're now following after people that tell you to stop listening to me because somehow I'm a loser. I'm the one who imparted faith into your life. He's the minister that was grossly under attack by all of the congregation that he had previously established. And he has to stand there and encourage them all to continue in this race. Here, don't be ashamed of me. Don't be ashamed of you know, the condition that I'm in. Don't look at my sufferings and think that somehow I'm a failure. You need to trust in the gospel that was delivered to you, which you're, you yourself are going to suffer for. You're going to join me in this suffering. Anybody that ran track knows it's all about suffering, right? <laughs> I never did because I knew it was about suffering and I wanted nothing to do with it. All I wanted to do in sports was hurt somebody. That's, that's what it was all about. So, you know, 
It was uh, land acquisition by violence. That's what my sports were all about. You know, this uh, pain that we have to endure. That was expected by our Lord, and it was expected for us by our Lord. That pain is to be embraced. It strengthens us, right? We, we hear it from Peter. We hear it from Paul. We hear it from James. I've quoted James chapter 1 so many times, you guys must have it memorized by now, as he encourages us with saying, you know, consider it pure joy whenever you're faced with trials of many kinds. Because the testing of your faith will develop perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you'll be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The Lord wants us to be strengthened, to grow through the suffering, the pain, and what we endure. The power of God who has saved us and called us, verse 9, with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. You know, if you think, oh, well, you know, this race isn't that my works. No, he's literally talking about the works that especially the Jews would try to undertake in order to accomplish their salvation. Oh, I'll keep all of these rules, and then God will accept me. He's saying, no, it's not by those works. You know, you've been called to a task, and there's work involved. But you've been given the salvation that gives you the strength and the energy to run. You have to know what that calling is, as I said in the beginning, so that you can endure. If you don't know what that calling is, that's one of the first things to work out in your heart and mind. But according to the purpose... Grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Ten, but it has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through, through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. He knows the Lord can run the race. He knows the strength that the Lord has, and he knows the Lord is inside of him. He has Christ's spirit. We have Christ's spirit. If, if you're hearing things right now from the Lord about, okay, there are things in my life that I need to deal with in order to run this race, but I don't have the strength, and I've tried before, and I fall down, and I fail, and it's not going to happen. Stop listening to that voice. Start listening to the Holy Spirit that is inside. Look to Christ. Did he finish the race? Did he run with endurance? Did he outperform everybody else? That spirit's inside you. Right? Not just beside you, not encouraging you, not in the crowd applauding you. He's in you. He can accomplish what he's called you to do. He would not have called you to do it lest he had given you the strength to accomplish it. Oh, the voices we listen to. The discouragement that takes over our heart at times. It needs to be that we would follow his purposes and his plans. He's given us that immortality. He's abolished death. You know, the light through the gospel to which I was appointed the preacher. 
a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I believe, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. This you know, that all those in Asia have turned away from me, among whom are the jealous Hermogenes. The Lord grant mercy to the house of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. And when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously and found me. You think about that. <clears throat> Paul's in prison, a prisoner of Rome at the charges of the Jews. So Israel and Rome are enemies of Paul and they've imprisoned him. They have a hatred towards him and a disdain. It's murderous. They want to kill the guy, right? So now you get a guy who's at least under threat uh, you know, of death sentence. And Onesiphorus shows up and immediately is you know, going to the authorities and the people around saying, how do I find you know, uh, Paul, who was previously known as Saul of Tarsus? Where's that guy? That's going to reflect very poorly. What I'd, I'd like to know, where's the guy that's been sentenced to death? I'm, I'm looking for the guy that's on death row. That's immediately going to bring your reputation down. Onesiphorus is unfazed by that. Right? Oh, the world has all kinds of negative things to say about us. Do we freely and quickly associate with one another and the body of Christ? I hope we're not ashamed. I hope we don't fade away from that. You know, a lot of times how the world uh, gets the impression that we are fading away from our identity with Christ is that we more strongly identify with them. We want to talk with them about the things they do. We want to talk with them about the stuff that they worship. We want to talk with them about, we want to build a rapport. We want to build a friendship. We want them to like us. That's really dangerous, right? James told us friendship with the world is to be an enemy with God. We need to quickly identify with Christ. Paul, his servants, his ministers. The world needs to hear this. They need to see us boldly sprinting through their territory. It's just no mistaking, you know, long distance runners. You see that long, lean stride out there, that smooth relaxation. I mean, you see the people that are running who they're doing it for, you know, whatever, fitness and the discipline of it, but they're just, they're, you know, the spring's gone from the step. You know what I'm saying? At no point does their body actually fully leave the planet. You know, this one comes off, but this one lands before this one comes off. You know, it's just, there's a different sort of process. Those that have this real athletic mentality have an entirely different way of living, have an entirely different way of approaching everything. You know, the names, the jealous and homogenies who have faded away, fallen off, they're gone. Before this is done, everyone's forsaken Paul. They've left him behind. And, and he even lists many of them that have returned to the world. 
I want you to take note of that when you're reading the scripture. Paul mentions those by name and their current spiritual status. He's not talking about people long ago and far away. He's making sure the body of Christ knows today who's still running the race the way they should and who has failed. Why? Because he's telling the body of Christ, stay away from the failures. In our culture, people get offended with that. Right? Somebody was in the faith and you go, man, that guy's completely fallen off. He's now living this way or that way. And people go, oh, you shouldn't talk about them like that. Really? <clears throat> so I should just let you wander into their atmosphere and their influence. And they're going to what? What baton are they going to hand you in the race? Right? It's like handing a drowning man an anvil. Here, just hang on to this. You know. Here, grab hold of this relationship. <laughs> No, you need to be able to run freely without being burdened by these things. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. You know, those that would come and go right through the channels of Rome and find Paul in his prison cell and minister to him. A horrendous experience. It's not the prisons of today. I have described to you before, Mamertine Prison, the inner dungeon, there were at least two recorded cases where they went to retrieve a prisoner out of the inner dungeon and he was dead. He had asphyxiated because there was so much human feces in the room. The gas that was coming off it had polluted the air, not enough oxygen to survive. He was already dead. There was another occasion where Roman guards going to put someone in to that inner chamber in opening it, the gas that poured out killed both of them. That's where Paul was in prison. This is, this is not the prison of today where people are sitting around watching cable television. You know, got, got their own DVD players and their own headphones, and, you know. Having done jail ministry, I'm telling you, this is how they function. It's an entirely different prison. You know, most of the prisons of Rome, you didn't get fed unless somebody on the outside knew you were in prison and was bringing you food in. If Rome wanted to keep you alive, they might give you scraps, literally, trash, leftovers to survive. That's where Paul is. Shameful disgraceful, degraded state of Onesiphorus goes right in. Got to find Paul. Got to minister to him. Everyone else has shrunk away from Paul's sufferings. And here he's saying the Lord's going to bless that guy. The Lord is going to remember. I don't know if you're uh, familiar with Eric Liddell. He was born January 16th in 1902. He passed away February 21st, 1945. He was a Scottish Olympic medalist. Most of you probably know this story. He played rugby for Union International, and he was a Christian missionary to China. Liddell was born in China to Scottish missionary parents. He attended boarding school near London, spending time when possible with his family in Edinburgh and afterward attended the University of Edinburgh. 
1924, the Summer Olympics were hosted by the city of Paris. A devout Christian, Liddell refused to run in a heat held on Sunday, the day of worship. He wouldn't run in his own race and was forced to withdraw from the 100-meter race, his best event. The schedule had been published several months earlier, and his decision was made well before the games. Liddell spent the intervening months training for the 400-meter race, though his best pre-Olympic time of 49.6 seconds set in the uh, winning the 1924 AAA championship 440-yard race was modest by international standards. On the morning of the Olympic 400-meter final, July 11, 1924, Liddell was handed a folded square of paper, a gift from one of the team um, overseers. Uh, reading it later, he found the message. In the old book, it says, He that honors me, I will honor. Wishing you best of success, Always recognizing the slightly misquoted reference of first Samuel chapter two, verse 30, Liddell was profoundly moved that someone other than his coach believed in him and the stance that he would take in not running that race. That day, the pipe band of the 51st Highland Brigade played outside the stadium for the hour before he ran. The 400 meter had been considered a middle distance event in which runners raced round the first bend and coasted through what they call the back leg. Inspired by the biblical message and deprived of a view of the other runners because he drew the outside lane, Liddell raced the whole of the first 200 meters to be well clear of the favored Americans with little option but then treat the race as a complete sprint, he continued to race round the final bend. He was challenged all the way down to the home straight, but held on to take the win. He broke the Olympic and world records with a time of 47.6 seconds. He returned to China in 1925 to serve as a missionary teacher aside from two furloughs in Scotland, he remained in China until his death in a Japanese civilian internment camp in 1945. A man that understood his commitment to the Lord and what he had been called to in the race, both physically and spiritually. He wasn't going to compromise. He was going to follow the Lord with his whole life. There's a tremendous example in that. Tremendous example for all of us. It's so easy to fade off. It's so easy to shift gears. It's so easy to find another path. The thing that the Lord has called us to, we really need to commit ourselves to it. You're probably familiar with Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, right? Following chapter 11, the hall of faith. You have all those examples of all those names which we read and revere. Remarkable lives, remarkable stories. The Old Testament and all those that have gone before us and shown us their lives. 
You get to chapter 12, you just turn that page after the hall of faith, and it says in verse 1, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Pause right there for a moment. I have heard that verse preached in a condemning way many times in my life. Many times. Where it's delivered to us saying, yeah, so there are people that are witnessing your conduct. They're watching what you're doing. They're up in the heavenlies. They lived by their standard of faith, walked with the Lord the way they should, and they're watching what you do. And if you screw up, pal, they're witness to that failure. That's not the heart of God at all. Right? To me, any preacher that would derive that from the scripture clearly doesn't have a handle on God's purposed intention. Chapter 11 tells us this is what the people did to live by their faith in the past. Since we have that great cloud of witness testifying to us that we can run the race, run the race. They're cheering us on. When we look into the scripture, they're not condemning us, right? Even their failures tell us, hey, I can do it. Look, here's a knucklehead that failed just like I failed. And yet the, the Lord used him powerfully. Hear it. Therefore, we also, since we have are surrounded rather by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. There's your reward. The throne room. Revelation chapter 4. The presence of God. Well, you have to set your face on the finish line, right? If you're looking at what's right in front of you, you're going to stumble. If you're looking at my finances, my kids, my marriage, this thing right here that I'm presently stumbling over, you're never going to run this race. You have to pick your eyes up off of that and fix your heart and your mind upon the Lord. That'll deliver you from burdens. You know, setting aside every heavy, heavy weight, the sin that so easily besets us. We've got to set those things out of our vision and look to the Lord. You know, those old blinders that they used to put on the horses so that they can't look to the left or the right. They have to look at just what's ahead of them. That's a, that's a very good principle for us to adopt. You know, what did Paul tell us? You know, we need to... Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Those distractions that come into mind, we need to push those distractions out and refocus ourselves upon the Lord. It needs to be that our focus is Him and where we're going to finish. Again, that relay race coming to us and transferring to others Second Timothy chapter two, we were in chapter one previously, just a few verses. Verse one says, you therefore, my son, be strong. So this is Paul speaking to Timothy. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses. Commit these to faithful men 
who will be able to teach others also. The transference. There's the baton. You just heard it very plainly. I handed this to you, and you need to find faithful men and hand it to them. There needs to be a continuation of our faith. Maybe you've just settled down into, I ran my leg. I did my part. I'm a Christian. I raised my hand. I prayed that prayer. And you're just trying to find that contentment. That That is exactly right. If, if this is a competition, then we're running against Lucifer. And he wants us to drop out of the race, right? He's been at this race from his creation to where he is now. So he just runs effortlessly his race, destroying everything that he goes, competing by none of the rules, cutting across every lane. And he'll get right in your path and tell you to give up, tell you to quit, tell you you're not going to make it. He'll point out at others how, look, that guy's even ahead of you, right? You, you know, those of you that have run uh, on track know that when you start out, right, there are people ahead of you because you're in those banked corners. You know, you've got all of those lines. It's not until you've taken that first corner that you actually see how the race lines up. Yeah, somebody else might be farther. So what? Run your race. Continue on. Receive what's being imparted to you and make sure, make sure that you have others that you're imparting that same thing to. You need to make sure there are people that can take the baton from you. Right? Those faithful men and women. You can waste a lot of time on unfaithful people. I'm not going to take the baton. not going to run with it. I'll look for someone who is. I'm going to actually spend the time, right? Those people that would distract you from your children. You go and you want to minister and care for and pour into and rescue them from. But there's somebody standing right next to you that you gave birth to that needs you to just pour into their life. Make sure, make sure that the ones you're investing in, right? We scatter the seed everywhere, right? That, that's, we do that everywhere, sure. But the ones we pour ourselves into, give our strength to, those are the ones that we need to see are being faithful. Well, maybe they're not completely mature. Maybe they're not you know, the most fit of Christians. But you can see and hear the call of the Lord. You can see the faithfulness. And you understand, I need to invest in this person. Now, uh, Romans chapter 10. Just want to point out a couple things as we close. Uh, verse 13. It says, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe on him whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. The feet that run, the feet that deliver. We've received that preaching from others, and we need to preach to others. You've got to open your mouth. Your testimony is great. You know, as far as how you conduct yourself, you know, what people see, the integrity that you walk in, you know, what some would describe as a silent witness. You know, that's a wonderful thing to do, but you also have to open your mouth. You've got to speak. 
Even if you're really timid, even if you're a person that stumbles and fumbles and bumbles your way through a conversation, you've got to open your mouth. You've got to share the gospel with others. It's a very necessary thing. You know, the heart and mind needs to receive the message that you have. Right? The enemy is going to misinterpret and reinterpret your conduct. You're going to do things. right? You can be the best employee in your setting. And, and you're saying, I want to do this as a testimony. I'm going to show up early. I'm going to stay late. I'm going to pick up the extra work. I'm going to make sure I'm always you know, busy for my boss. I'm going to be an example. And all of your coworkers just think you're self-righteous and full of yourself. They misinterpret your good intentions. You've got to open your mouth. You've got to share the gospel with people. Start small. right? If you're sitting there right now thinking, I am going to be so embarrassed. When I'm going to turn beet red. How am I going to possibly do that? Turn beet red. Screw it all up completely. Right? None of us, none of us were professionals and proficient when we started out on any given task that we learned along the way. It's through the repetition that we learn the proficiency. You have to start somewhere. You've got to begin the process. You've got to learn how to pass that baton in a way that would actually finish it out. Now, turn with me. We'll just close this out with a few verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. <sighs> First Corinthians 9, verse 24 says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. You've got to run in order to win. Everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. They're disciplined in everything they do. Now, they that do it to obtain a perishable crown, that wreath of laurel that they would wear on their head, but we for an uh, imperishable crown, the crown of glory that's given uh, to us by Christ. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty, right? Not sure if I'm running on this side of the road or that side of the road. Not sure if I'm going to run downtown or uptown. Not sure if I'm even going to finish the race. Not sure. Uncertainty. Don't run with an uncertainty. Thus I fight with certainty, with direction, is what he's saying. Not as one who beats the air, you know, like a shadow boxer, right? You know, shadow boxer. They say, you know, you see the guys, you know, in the movies or whatever, if you've been to fights, seen competition, they're warming up, they're throwing the punches, they're getting the jabs, whatever. That's a warm up. I mean, if you paid lots of money to sit, you know, ringside at a fight and you got there and they introduce, you know, the, you know, the, the, the champion and, and today he's going to be fighting and they just throw a big spotlight on him and there's his shadow. He's going to fight his shadow. You'd be really upset at the money you spent to go see that stupid competition. Who's going to win? And it's dumb. It's a foolish illustration. Then that's what Paul is saying. Is this it? My, my efforts are not some foolish thing that I'm doing to entertain myself. Right? 
He's in prison for his message. Right? He's suffering for his message. He's not in the game in order. You want to you know who these guys are? You want to be able to identify who these people are that are shadow boxing? Look at how they're taking care of themselves as far as the benefits and the glory and the way that they think of themselves. You know, if they're rolling around in chauffeured limousines and flying around in airplanes and, you know, stockpiling for themselves, you know, gospel comes to us free and now we're getting all the money we can for ourselves by preaching what was delivered to us free. I, you know, somebody delivers to me free lunch, and I turn around and I'm selling it to make money? You're going to be upset if you brought me free lunch. Christ brought us salvation free of charge. Paul is not in this fight to benefit himself. He's here suffering the blows of real combat. You're going to suffer. You're going to suffer if you're going to serve Christ. If our master suffered, are we greater than our master? Jesus raised that question, didn't he? This race of endurance, this prize that we're going for, you need to set your eyes on the prize. See, we're not competing with one another. We're competing with ourselves. It's ourself that wants to quit. It's, it's our own person that wants to get done. We need to overcome ourselves, conquer ourselves, and pursue this thing with an endurance, with the intent to win. To win out over our failures, over our sin. I'm not shadow boxing, but I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. They tell us not to speak ill of the dead, and so I'll just take her name out. But there was a woman years ago that won the Boston Marathon, and they discovered after she'd won the Boston Marathon, because she was way ahead of the pack of highly trained athletes, and a number of things came up. She wasn't as literally wasn't as sweaty as they expected her to be, wasn't as exhausted. She was able to interview, all kinds of things. They start doing some review. Yeah, no, she took the subway. She began in the race, and she'd hidden clothes, and she got out of the marathon and dressed and on the subway and went to the finish line and just literally lingered on the sidelines waiting and as she saw the mass of front runners coming, she took off the sweat clothes that she had and had her running jersey on, got a little warmed up and sprinted out. Of course, even as an untrained, you know, athlete of top tier performance, she had all of the rested energy ready to go. She's a good runner, but she's not a world class athlete. And she just sprints across the finish line ahead of everybody else. You, you can't cut the corners. The Lord's not going to allow you to. He's not going to allow you to. The crown of glory only comes to those who compete according to the rules of the race. We can't kid ourselves. Oh, 
this will be fine, that'll be fine. This compromise doesn't really matter. It matters all across the board. The Lord will let you take all the shortcuts you want, but you know what he does? <laughs> when he finally gets you to that moment of honesty, he takes you right back to where you dropped out of the race and says, now this is where you start again. How do I know that? I've tried to cut the corners. How about you? There, there's no fooling this judge. There's no cutting any corners. There's no getting it. You have to compete. And the Lord is going to hold us to that, that accountability. Not as some form of condemnation. Why? Because he wants us to have the crown. He wants us to cross the finish line the way that we should. He, he has provided us with victory, you guys. Dropping out of the race in any fashion isn't allowed. Life won't let you. God won't let you. If you're his child, he's going to ensure that you're accomplishing this according to his will. The closing encouragement, run your pace, run your race. You don't have to look around at anybody else. Here this morning, what the Lord is calling you to, calling you to do, and keep pace with him. He'll always set that at a level that you can handle. Always. You say, oh, I've been through some things that I couldn't handle. Yeah, you did. You're sitting here this morning. You've made it. Now keep the pace. Don't drop out. Don't quit. Don't let the discouragement rob you. There's a crown of glory. There's a finish line. You get to break the tape. That's you. Because he's only looking at you for your competition. The child of God is competing with the man of flesh that needs to die in the process. You finish the line with him, and the reward is yours. Make sense? Amen. Well, let's stand and we'll pray. Father God, I pray for each one of us here this morning, especially against that voice of discouragement, that one in our own heart that tells us those things you're dealing with us about, those weights and burdens you want us to shed. We view them as impossible. We view ourselves as already defeated. Lord, the voice of our enemy, I pray that we would set our focus on you set our focus on the finish line. I, I don't know how you do that in our hearts. I know you've done it in my heart. Help each of us to lift our heads up from this world, the points of discouragement, to focus on you, focus on the finish line, knowing the hour is short, the time is near, that we would continue with endurance the race that you set before us. In that process, Lord, we pray for great victory. Not some kind of glory. More than anything, souls won. That the baton would be passed to others. That other people would enter into this race and enter into your kingdom for our having run it. Use us, as Paul said, as your ministers that we would see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.